Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to a roadside edition of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are here at Pusca Family Barbecue just outside of Hutto today. We are here with Dustin, uh, owner and pitmaster. And Dustin, we, uh, we've been trying to get out of here for a while. We finally got out here early in the day and got to, got to enjoy a meal here. You've got a, an interesting path that's gotten to you to where we are right now. So let us know kind of how this culinary career started for you. Yeah, you know, I, out of high school, I mean, I, I was never a straight A student. Um, graduated high school and moved to College Station, Texas to go to uh, Blinn College there in Bryan. Um, get my basic studies and stuff out of the way because I had aspirations to go to A&M one day. Um, and uh, I'll say this, if you like to party more than you like to go to school, do not go to College Station uh, and try to get an education. So, needless to say, I, I, I failed out my you, you first went year to the of college. Dixie Chicken, I assume, more than once. Uh, more than once. That, that, that'd be correct. Um, but due to that, I had to move back home. Uh, very fortunate that my parents uh, paid for mine and my siblings' schooling. Uh, but I had to move back home, and my father and mother said, "Get your act together, um, or you're on your own." So I went to a junior college there, close to home. Uh, got my basic studies out of the way and kind of grew up a little bit and decided I want to go to culinary school. I, I was always the one growing up with my mother and grandmother in the kitchen. I loved to be involved in cooking. I, I, for whatever reason, as a, as a young child, I loved going to HEB, um, going down up and down every aisle for whatever reason. I don't know. That was a highlight of my week every week was going to the grocery store with my mother and grandmother. But uh, needless to say, I'd always been interested in cooking. So I said, you know what, I think I want to go the culinary route and then moved back to Austin, or not back, but I moved to Austin and went to culinary school and just fell in love with the uh, food side of the industry. Uh, little did I know that culinary school does not prepare you whatsoever for working real life in a, in a restaurant. I uh, learned probably 90% of what I know now on the job in a restaurant kitchen uh, versus what I learned from school. but. That, that's that's okay because I, I think I'm, I'm better off for that. Um, but anyway, so I, I went into the fine dining scene uh, right out of culinary school. I did an externship at the Roaring Fork downtown Austin and hopped around to a couple of other places and eventually landed at a restaurant called Jasper's. Uh, it was in the domain here in Austin. Uh, it was there for nine years. Closed that location down. The uh, lease was up. The owners didn't want to renew went to Houston for a year in the woodlands and worked at that location uh, and then came back and I just sat here and I thought I said you know what I've got a wife now I've got a kid uh, I want another kid soon so what can I do to stay in this industry that I've fallen in love with but have more time to spend with them and I said you know what I've always loved cooking barbecue I've always had backyard barbecues friends would always come over we pitch washers drink some cold beer you know cook a lot of barbecue and whatnot, and um, they always would say, man, you need to sell this. And I said, no, I don't need to sell that. I don't have no desire to own my own restaurant. You know, I've been, I've been a part of opening a restaurant. It takes a lot of money. I have no desire to do that. Um, but they kept nagging me about it, nagging me about it. I said, well, what can we do? You know, let's look into the trailer, food trailer life. Called my dad, who's my partner in this business, and kind of started 
putting a bug in his ear about it. He was really unsure about it in the beginning, but finally convinced him that uh, let's give it a go. Um, and here we are cooking barbecue. Now, as far as how I actually got into barbecue itself, besides backyard barbecues, would that would be my dad. You know, he bought a pit many, many years ago when I was a young kid. Didn't know a damn thing about barbecue and didn't know what he was doing. Uh, and needless to say, he ruined a lot of good meat back then, uh, trying to learn how to cook brisket and whatnot. You know, thank God back then brisket was less than a dollar a pound. Nowadays, you can't take the risk to ruin that yeah, much. Yeah, it was a cheaper experiment back then. That's exactly right. Uh, but he's the one that really got me interested in it at a young age. And just as I've grown up, I learned a lot of things from him. Uh, I've copied a lot of things that he's done that he's taught himself over the years. Don't necessarily use it here at the trailer every day because I like to try to stay as true to the Central Texas style as possible. Uh, but we're from East Texas, so we like some sweet and saucy ribs and, and, and things like that that my dad has taught me. So in a nutshell, that's my background. That's how I got started, and here we are, cooking barbecue in a little red trailer on the side of the road in Hutto, Texas. You know, the fact that you can take um, a piece of meat such as a brisket I know this this is gonna sound cliche it's it's so talked about but it's such an ugly tough piece of meat right you know and that you can just literally take two simple seasonings put it on there you know and source out good good wood and know what you're doing and you can make one of the most incredible things there's two parts to a cow that are my favorite brisket point is one of them the, the but my all-time favorite would be the ribeye cap but nonetheless that that's what really you know it's just wow you can take cook all this with fire you know that that in and of itself is hard to do you know you've got so many variables that that can screw you up really bad when it comes to cooking barbecue but um i, I just the simplicity of it i learned long ago from a chef i worked under was don't be the guy that tries to put eight to ten ingredients on a plate you know, pick four or five good ingredients, know what you're doing with them, source good ingredients, and put it on a plate, and it's one of the most beautiful things ever. So to me, that it's the simplicity of it and, you know, what guy doesn't like playing with fire all day, you know, so. And that's definitely something that we've we've heard more and more as, as we've seen more people with culinary and fine dining backgrounds that are starting to foray into whether that's live fire or barbecue, straight Central Texas barbecue, is the simplicity of it and letting you know letting the meat speak for itself and just kind of getting out of the way and letting it shine yeah Yeah, absolutely the challenge of cooking a brisket is never ending spending so many years working with some really expensive and high ingredients you know and I I miss that aspect of it sometimes you know but I just I want to make I what attracted me to, to cooking you know professionally and feeding the masses is when I can put something on a plate and you take a bite of it and you say, oh, oh, wow, you know, and a big smile across your face. That's what it's all about to me. It's not about, you know, it's not necessarily all about making money and or, or saying I'm, I'm ranked number five in the state of Texas or whatever. Yes, that's all great. You know, the accolades are, are fantastic. We've been very fortunate and blessed to, to be uh, given some good shout outs from Daniel Vaughn and Texas Monthly. But for me, it's that one on one saying, hey, you know, tell us from the pit, guys. This brisket I cook, try it, you know, and you eat it and you think, oh man, that's really good, or this piece of sausage, and you know, man, that's, wow, that's really tasty. But that goes back to the simplicity of it, talking about the sausage. My sausage has five ingredients. 
but it's tasty, you know, so. Well, in original and classic sausage, it's, it was five ingredients or less. In four to five was usually about it. Yeah, um, that's right. But it, 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 it is a good classic sausage. When I worked for Jasper's, um, they sent all of us chefs to uh, our charcuterie and sausage making class in Dallas if we wanted to go. It was paid for by the company and whatnot. And I said, well, yeah, who wouldn't want to go, you know? So we go and, you know, kind of got a little bit of hands-on experience, but not a whole lot. You know, it was more the instructor showing you and teaching you than anything. And then there would be two or three volunteers that got to actually be hands-on while the rest of the class watched. But uh, so outside of that, my sausage-making experience was zero. Well, I get this grand idea. My, you know, I tell my dad, <laughs> let's, let's make our own sausage. So we got to make our own sausage. You know, it's first. It's a little bit of a lost art. There's you're seeing more and more joints starting to pick it back up and do it now, uh, but there's still plenty of joints that don't. Uh, whether that be from time or just inexperience, I, you know, whatever. It's not a knock on them, but you're finally starting to see it pick up more and more. But so here I am. I go and I buy a lot of money's worth of sausage making equipment. I go buy you know a lot of product as far as pork and seasonings and all this stuff, and I just start start making sausage. Well, let me tell you something. There's a lot more to making <laughs> sausage than just watching somebody do it in front of you at a charcuterie class. I threw away so much sausage, you know, and, you know, whether it was because the seasoning was horrible, it was way too salty, uh, that was the easy part of figuring out. It's like, okay, you know, I've got a pretty refined palate. I can adjust this here and adjust that there. But getting the casings right. Okay, let me tell you. That was one of the most frustrating parts of, of my journey so far. And I think that speaks volumes because there's a lot of frustration in barbecue, like we talked about earlier. There's a lot of unknown variables. But um, so after research, after trying, I finally figured out a method. I found it on some barbecue sausage making forum. <laughs> you know, this probably Joe Blow in his backyard and, and you know, redneck Texas, I don't know, and that's not a knock to rednecks. I'm from East Texas, so I'm a redneck myself. So, well, what it is is you smoke it. Uh, you know, at, there's a whole process. You stuff it, dry it, then you put it in your smoker. Well, most people cook it all the way to the 155 degree internal temperature on the smoker. Well, one, that takes way too long, way too much time. But I found a guy that's doing it different. He smokes it till he gets the color he likes on it. Then he finishes it in a 170-degree water bath. It makes sense. The principles of it, you know, the reasoning behind it with my background, I'm thinking, okay, this makes sense. So I tried it, and let me tell you, there, there's a reason that snaps so good on that sausage, and you can actually eat the casing and chew it and bite through it. And I've, that, that's one of the main reasons is because of that. But to all you out there listening to this, if you want to go on a sausage-making journey, I, I urge you to seek out some uh, guidance from those of us that have, have done it and, and started on our own and wasted a lot of food. So, I do a little bit different. I do an ice bath. So I cook mm -hmm. it to the full temperature, throw it into an ice bath um, to stop the cook, and that, and that keeps it from wrinkling because well, we know sorry, the food I, as well. Now, yeah, I didn't even think about the finished process. Mine goes from the hot water into an ice bath yeah. as well to, to stop it instantly. Yeah, and, th and I think that helps. Um, it helps with the wrinkling as well. That's, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that is the number one reason people get casing shrinkage is because yeah. they don't cool it down fast enough so yeah and, and again that's my OCD coming out in me I mean obviously 
sausage that sat on the pit for two, three hours, it's going to start to wrinkle no matter what because it's rendering out all that fat and drying out. But, you know, as you're replenishing your sausage throughout the day so that you don't run into that, I'm just OCD. I like the presentation. I want people to see it nice and plump and not wrinkled. I wish I would have kept track from the beginning how much sausage I've made um, because it's been a lot and it continues to be a lot, but that's okay, you know. Again, it's something can, that helps differentiate. I created that with my own two right. hands, right. literally from scratch, from start to finish. I, I, I wrote the recipe, I tested, I tweaked, you know, and finally got to the product. I mean, and it's one of the most satisfying things about making sausage is brisket is brisket. There are lots of people that make good brisket, but whatever sausage you create is uniquely yours, no exactly matter what. Exactly right. Because there's a lot of us that are that are cooking brisket prime grade. You know, and I don't care if people tell me that you know, IBP or Swift or whatever, there's going to be a huge difference. No, there's not, you know, but everybody's cooking it with salt and pepper. There's very few places that are varying from that, you know, so to speak, but you're right. You know, your sausage is your sausage and nobody's going to copycat it unless they somehow get a, somehow get a hold of the recipe. Um, yeah, it really helps separate you from anybody else and like I said it's something that we know that if we want a, a, a good version of a classic sausage that's simple you know simplified not overly complicated with 18 different ingredients and types of cheeses okay you're gonna deliver that and you're gonna deliver that sausage that just has that pure flavor has that good fat content in it and, and it, like you said has that plump juicy snap to it well and one thing I set out to you know if we need to move on from sausage let me know but one thing <laughs> I, I set out to accomplish because I just got so tired of all the commercially produced sausage. It's just so much fat that I literally could not eat it anymore without being miserable for two, three hours after with just intense heartburn, you know. And I said, you know what, man, I want a sausage that's still nice and juicy, but it's not a majority fat, and it's not going to make me miserable after eating it. Um, I have tweaked mine slightly since the, from the original to add a little bit more fat uh, just because it helps you know, holding it throughout the day, throughout the lunch shift, uh, from, keeps it from drying out. But, but you're right. You're absolutely right when you said there's something very gratifying about, about making that. Uh, and again, you know, I'm not ashamed at all to say we're we're pretty damn proud of that sausage and and the fact that surprisingly we never imagined that we would be getting recognized for our sausage. But, you know, Daniel Vaughn puts that in his top bites of 2018. My sausage, and I said, well. Man, I knew it was good, but you know, I didn't think it was that good. But uh, it's been it's been a fun journey learning how to do it, and um, it's been very rewarding. So it makes it all worth it, especially you know after working a busy day up here, and then turn around and like, oh, I need sausage for tomorrow, so I got to make more sausage. So, so as as far as the protein in your sausage, is it is pork and beef? It is pork and beef. It's uh, 80/20 pork to beef. Uh, we added just enough brisket trimming to it to give a little bit more of that uh, fuller, beefier flavor, but uh, not being too overpowering. Uh, but we still get the nice fat content from the pork. So. Very, very classic taste, very Czech, Central Texas. Um, not a hot guts flavor necessarily because it's got so much more pork than beef, um, but it's, it's, a good, it's a good sausage that rings familiar, but yet is unique. That's exactly Sometimes. right. Uh, you know, and, and look out you know, when we find our brick and mortar location, uh, 
that's going to be one of my areas to concentrate in is, is starting to make more sausages. Right now it's just impossible for me to do it. I'm doing all the cooking day in and day out, six days a week. Uh, and I do well enough just to keep up with that one sausage. People give me a, a hard time all the time. When are you going to make this? When are you going to make that? Even, hell, even my dad, my partner in this business, he said, man, I sure would like to see some jalapeno cheese sausage on the menu. <laughs> I said, yeah, Dad, but everybody's doing that. He said, well, did sales right? And I said, well, you're right. You've got a point. But, you know, we want to we be able to use areas uh, such as the sausage and stuff to kind of stand out from others and, and you know, that's where we can play and deviate a little bit from the classic Texas style barbecue that you see. So let's let's back up a little bit to the to where you are now. The food truck, you decided to go the food truck route to, you know, not an easy way to start a business, but a little less expensive than starting in a brick and mortar. So what were the what were the early days like or how did the business grow for you in the you know when you first started setting down roots in Hutto? Man, the early days. Uh, you know, we're still, I still like to consider us somewhat in the early days. We're, we're less than two years old. We're coming up on two years in October. Um, that makes you ancient in the barbecue world. Yeah. <laughs> There's these, like 50 these days, joints opening yeah. every week. Oh, I know it. You know, and of course, how many of those are closing in, within two years? This I don't know. But, well. uh, but in the beginning, we opened on Halloween. Who the hell opens a restaurant on Halloween? <laughs> You know, in this area, especially the Austin area, Halloween's a big deal. You know, people go downtown, whatever. So here we are. I cook a ton of food. You know, not knowing what to expect, to expect necessarily, but at the same time, you know, with my background, I've made a little bit of name for myself at the restaurant I was at before this gig. Had you done pop-ups or anything leading up no, to that? No, no pop-ups. We went straight from trailer being finished, built to getting all of our permitting and everything in line, finding the location, setting it up to opening. So we had no name whatsoever for ourselves in, in, in the barbecue world. It was kind of a, a hope and a prayer type deal. Um, so we set up shop and I remember clearly my mother worked with me that first day. It was me and my mom running the trailer and um, we sold like 370 something dollars or something like that of food and I'm thinking oh hell yeah you know we did good and little did I know that's not good um, but we went from hoping to sell one or two briskets a day um, to struggling to sell one brisket uh, again we hadn't done any pop-ups like I said nothing nothing like that and nobody knew our name except my circle well, and, of and you started in fall and I mean that too, winter time and barbecue is really slow right well, just restaurant period is that's not a good time to start a restaurant in the fall. But um, you know, so but we just kept our heads down and kept grinding, uh, kept trying to put our name out there on social media. You know, I sent Daniel Vaughn two or three different friend requests on Facebook, just trying to get our name out in front of him. Uh, you know, I would try to tag him on Instagram and stuff that we'd post when I finally got an Instagram set up. Uh, but you know, that kind of proved. Uh, futile in the beginning and I said you know what I'm just going to put my head down and go to work I'm just going to work on getting better at what I'm doing and cooking you know the best brisket ribs and chicken uh, that I can cook on a daily basis and try to be consistent with that and uh, lo and behold we start getting visits when we moved over here to this location where we're currently at you know I look up one day and Daniel Vaughn standing in front of my window and us you know, we, we've 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 reached the pinnacle of the barbecue world, you know, <laughs> so to speak. 
um, and he had a good experience and, and really loved everything and shouted us out and gave us lots of love, wrote a good article on it, and then we made his top bites and then the top 25 new joints in Texas. So, like I said, we 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 there was some luck involved um, with meeting some people early on that, that knew a lot of people in the industry, Daniel being one of them, uh, that kind of helped get our name out there. But other than that, it was literally a hope and lots of prayer that this would this would work because otherwise I was going to have to go back to a restaurant job and, and work working long nights again. So yeah. shout out to John Brotherton. First time we ever heard about you was was from John, who I think came here pretty early on as well, and and was really spreading the word to his circle of barbecue friends and everything. And uh, one one things we heard, of course, was the the chicken. got to get the chicken you got to get the chicken which is not something you often hear about a barbecue place i mean it's it's no it's not and and i'll be honest early on i I used to just tell him uh, i said literally i would tell him what's the big deal y'all it's it's just chicken it's just chicken that's the one now you know they've started using that hashtag anytime they talk about my chicken but but you're absolutely right because as i think back to all the many barbecue joints i've gone to you know over the years is as simple as something would be as chicken as, as people think as simple as it would be that it's you're right it's there's not a whole lot of good chicken out there it's um, it's a lot of times it's just an afterthought on the menu that's exactly right and, and again you know not to keep going back to my my background and whatnot but there's no afterthoughts for me you know i don't like afterthoughts i want everything to be as good as it can be every single day you know and that's whether that's the side dishes the barbecue or the iced tea that we serve you know well and the, the chicken you know the, the most memorable thing about it is is the skin um you know it's nice and crispy the meat's juicy so you get that that texture difference uh, and that's hard to do in, in barbecue it's hard to do right. cooking it's hard to do holding it as well um, i'm sure that that's something that that presents some challenges throughout the day to keep it that way all day long yeah no doubt especially you know i don't have a holding cabinet i don't have no space for that on my trailer so there there is a built-in warming box on top of my firebox but that's extremely difficult to to keep you know at a consistent temperature i mean you've got this huge fire burn, burning underneath it so but we make it work and do the best that we can do with what we've got and uh we've been growing and we hope to keep growing and you know, we're looking to make that leap pretty soon to to leave the trader days behind not for good you know we'll still do festivals and catering and stuff and hopefully one day you know we find a brick and mortar and get that up and running and then i find a crew that can run my trailer for me somewhere else so i want to give john brotherton his props um he's been a fantastic supporter who's become a great friend and mentor uh for me and in this business and um i do owe quite a lot to him for for where we're at and the name we've made for ourselves uh thus far he's been a big part of it so john's good people anybody that's listening that thinks otherwise come see me and i'll, I'll make you realize that you're wrong well, along the lines of growing we, we know that you've uh, recently got a, a new pit that's been built by uh, backline fabrications yes we just got a 500 gallon built by uh, backline fabrication out in dripping springs uh ryan newland uh, he's a fabricator by trade but is done competition cooking and has uh, did a little bit in pit building and is really starting to get onto it. Uh, the cool thing about ours is it's not your typical 500 gallon tank. Uh, this thing is 13 feet long. 
30 inch diameter. Uh, he dubbed it the torpedo, <laughs> the, the, the uh, OG torpedo, because he's had several people now finding this size tank and wanting one built like it. So the cool thing about it is, is we've got almost the same length as a thousand gallon pit, but four, I believe four inches less diameter, I think a thousand gallons are 34 inches. Um, so our hope is that, you know, well, not our hope, we know it's going to be a little bit more efficient, you know, and use less fuel just because it's not as big around. Uh, but we've got plenty of space to cook almost as much as you could on a thousand gallon, uh, but on a on a 500 gallon pit, so we're excited about it. We haven't gotten to fire it up yet. Um, working out some issues with uh, putting it by our trailer, but um, we're excited. We can't wait. Ryan did a great job. If you guys are looking for somebody to build you something unique and custom, go see him. So it's nice to be kind of outside of the big city, um, no matter what city that is these days. Um, so what is it like being kind of on the outskirts of Austin? Is that is that a boon? Is that a is that troublesome? Is there issues with that, or is that just right where you want to be? Uh, you know, you you think that it's just right where you want to be, um, and you know it is right where we want to be, but it's not always as far as business wise. It's not always necessarily where you where you want to be. Um, we get a little bit of uh, business and traffic from the Austin area, uh, but. Uh, you know, we hear from a lot of people, oh, man, we finally were able to make it out. It's just such a far drive. And I'm sitting here thinking, you can beat a Hutto in 20 minutes from North Austin. <laughs> like, really? It's it's a far drive for you, you know? Uh, well, on so, a bad day on I-35, it could be a far drive. <laughs> it could well, be a long that is drive. true. Not a far drive, but a long drive. That, yeah. Now, that is yeah. true. Um, but it's, you know, the one of the main advantages is there's nobody else out here doing what we're doing. Uh, which is one of the reasons we picked Hutto in the first place. Um, but we want to keep that small, kind of that small town feel, you know, with whatever we do, you know, whether we uh, end up finding a brick and mortar here in Hutto or if it's one of the other surrounding areas, we definitely don't want to be in the big city and want to keep it in a, in a smaller place like Hutto. Um, well, it's nice for people coming out, you know, they can they can make it a day trip. so. You come out here for lunch, and then you can go into Taylor and come around. Not that you have to stop at seven other barbecue joints like we would do, but you know you can come around the Taylor, Elgin, Copeland area. Right. Um, there's there's some things to sightsee that are out of the big city and make it a little nice little afternoon run. Right. And, you know that's what a lot of people these days do. You know, ever since Aaron Franklin and the barbecue phenomenon. I mean, let's let's give credit where it's credits due. Barbecue wouldn't the, the barbecue scene wouldn't be where it's at if it wasn't for Aaron Franklin. Um, I mean, obviously there are, there are other joints that have been around way longer than him, but as far as really putting barbecue on the map on a, not just a... On a global scale at this yeah, point. Right. Yeah, right. It's exactly right. That's where I was going with that is just, it's incredible. But um, you've got now, you know, you can you can go start your day in Rockdale, Texas at Brett's Backyard Barbecue. Fantastic place. Fantastic guy. I've known Brett for a while now. Um make your way down to Taylor, hit up Louis Mueller, and then right down 79 and come see us. So it's cool that we've kind of, it's kind of worked out the way it has. And, and, you know, you can hit all these little places, not not necessarily just to go do your sightseeing, like you said, but there's also several really top-notch barbecue joints that you can hit along the way, so. For somebody's wives, which are not mine, they can also get plenty of antique stores, I'm sure, Andrew, <laughs> hint, hint. 
Don't don't even. <laughs> well, she won't listen to this episode, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> she hasn't listened to the show. But yeah, it's for barbecue fanatics. It's great because it gives it gives us yet another quality stop to get to along this little elbow of our north and around Austin without even having to go into the big city right. and deal with the big city traffic, the big city pricing, the big city everything. We, you know, it's nice, especially when the weather's right. It's nice. It's great to drive to these towns and just eat up small town barbecue. It's it's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I, you know, I will say that there is. With us, uh, you know, we're a little bit off the beaten path. We're not on the, the main highway. As you can see, there's still a ton of traffic right here. But one of the main things we've found an, an issue with here is, is Hutto big enough yet to support, you know, an everyday barbecue joint? You know, I have those faithful loyalists who come every single week, sometimes twice a week, no matter what. But a lot of the locals that I see, it's every two or three weeks, you know. And, and so we're trying to really build that more. And, and, and I think part of that is just Hutto, Hutto doesn't know how to do barbecue yet. You know, and there's, that's no knock on them. Uh, it's and, tough and being the first good place. You know, right. like when there's not a whole lot of options, it's, it's tough being that first one that comes in doing a modern style of barbecue. Getting your small town used to what you're serving you know, you're serving a fattier grade brisket than they may be used right. to. You know, you're you're serving a, a more craft style side than they may be used to, and it does take some time to to really educate that audience. So many times since we've been open, that that people, especially those local to Hutto, they don't understand why the prices are so high. You know, and and for me, I don't get offended by that. I don't get upset. I like to educate them. That's why, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you've, you've seen on our business Facebook page, I, I share every article I can that, that explains why brisket prices have gone up so much. And then, you know, I, I, I can tell our, our customers, say, look, you know, this is what the cost of brisket is to come to me in my door. This doesn't count what it costs once I trim it and cook it. I said, because you're looking at a, somewhere between 45 to 50 percent yield if, you know, on an average brisket. Yeah. Plus cost of wood, cost of pepper, That's which exactly has gotten right. ridiculously expensive. Yeah, you've got all your costs, yeah. salt, pepper, wood, and like I said, you got your time. Yeah, you know, God, God forbid you factor in labor costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, so. And, and even in a trailer, you've got electricity, you've got AC, Absolutely. you've got, I don't think you have a generator here because you've got an electrical hookup. Right. You've got to pay the electric bill. Well, all of got, that goes you in. Know, you have propane that you have to cook with, you know, and all that stuff, and people, most people, once you lay it out there like that for them, they're like, oh, you know, like ding, 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 yeah. light bulb just went off. But, you know, you're always going to have those that are stuck back in time when they were younger and paid $7 a pound for brisket or whatever right. it was back then, you know. And that's just not the way it is anymore, unfortunately. So even, even if you wanted to cook choice brisket or, or upper choice, it's still very pricey. So. Yeah, the, the difference between choice and prime isn't that much anymore. It's just no. everything's more expensive. No, it's not. And, 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 you know, eight or nine out of ten briskets between choice and prime, or prime's going to be better, but it's not always better. People, that's another thing people don't understand. When beef is grated, it's not grated on each muscle by itself. It's grated on the ribeye. One, yeah. So you know what? I've seen a select or a choice brisket that has way more marbling than a prime brisket. It just it is what it is, and every brisket's different. So, 
So, uh, so let's talk about sides because um, going back to kind of culinary background, but but at the same time, simplicity. Um, I, I think you've nailed it on some of your sides, the ones that we had anyway. Um, let's talk about the lotes and the um, the jalapeno coleslaw. Jalapeno oh, green, green apple, apple yeah. yeah. Well, I was hoping he'd talk about the green. The apple. beloved elotes. Another shout out to John Brotherton who absolutely calls it his favorite ever. Um, there's there's it's very rare that he comes to the trailer, which he comes all the time that he doesn't order chicken and, and the elotes. But uh, that was something that I had done over the years a few times for specials here and there. Um, Mexican street corn was absolutely one of my favorite things ever. Um, after eating it in Mexico on the street, the real deal, and I, I fell in love with it uh, in Cabo San Lucas. Um, but I, I, I did it the way we do it. It's, you know, it's different as one, it's not on the cob. That's why we call it a in parentheses salad. Um, and two, it's served chilled. And the reason I did that, a lot of people are kind of leery about it at first. Oh, it's it's cold, yeah. But here, taste it. And then they end up ordering a pint of it. Um, is I love the contrast it gives to the the fatty and salty meats, you know. And you got the peppery, you know, bark on the brisket and the pepper, heavy pepper on the ribs and and whatnot. And I just love that that contrast that it gives when you take a bite of this cold elote salad and you get that nice burst of those kernels of corn uh, that's another thing we do a little bit different is is i take the straight up raw corn char it on the stove over an open flame and just enough to get a char on it and that's it i don't cook it any further i want it to be nice and crisp and and just you know pop in your mouth um so that was, you know, that was, I definitely knew that was going to go on the menu when I started thinking about what I wanted to do. Um, because keep it kind of simple, but really, really tasty uh, to do. And then the jalapeno green apple slaw, um, I, there, you know, there wasn't really a certain inspiration for that uh, per se. It was just I, I knew that green apples and jalapenos go really well together. They taste good together. Uh, and I wanted to do something that wasn't just your ordinary slaw. Um, our our dressing that we make is very heavy on the celery seed. I love that flavor uh, in a lot of things. But um, again, when I wrote the menu, I didn't you know I I didn't want to do anything that was too heavy. But I still wanted everything to kind of balance out when you when you got the tray in front of you and you're eating it all together. So light and crisp. Um, you know, and, and spicy but not needlessly hot that's correct so, um, yeah, just we were a little afraid there's some places that'll just go way overboard and and it was it, it was really a mild jalapeno yeah uh, right. it, it really worked well well and that's why we you know we use the fresh jalapenos and take out the the seeds and the veins from them so that you know it's a lot of a lot of people ask every day is it is it spicy no it's not it's not real spicy at all you know and so everybody can enjoy it you know the kids can enjoy it the, the older um, folks can enjoy it as well without it being too spicy for them uh, but again like I said nice and light and crisp and refreshing uh, we definitely want to expand you know sometime in the near future and do some some other stuff but you know I'd say our potato salad is probably the heaviest thing on our side menu um, and still even that y'all didn't have it today but uh, it's pretty nice it's 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 a whipped style potato salad so it, it's a little bit lighter uh, just like my granny used to make it you know everybody that comes to the trailer it's literally her recipe uh for the most part you know we've tweaked a couple of things here and there but uh people ask to taste it you know they, they 
they take a bite of it and they just, you know, they kind of close their eyes and say, oh, man, it tastes just like it was when I was growing up when my mom or my grandmother made it. And, you know, I like to think my granny's smiling down on us every time that uh, somebody says that. But those kind of moments, man, that's what it's about for me. Yeah, barbecue is that comfort memory food, and and you can still do that and still have it, quote unquote, craft for lack of better term. Right. You know. Well, and you know, I grew up um, Southern Baptist, and you know, there was always a lot of get-togethers, potlucks, and stuff at churches, and uh, we have a really close group of family friends that still to this day are uh, like family to all of us, and we always are gathering and getting together, and like you you hit the nail on the head, it's all about gathering together, that fellowship, and, and. and eating over some tasty barbecue and, and whatnot, um, that that does it for me. That gets me going. You know, the the hours are long. You know, the days are tiring, especially right now when it's so hot. Um, but it's all worth it. You know, when you can put out a product that may not necessarily be fancy, but you know what, it's going to be damn tasty and cooked right, and people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think. The menu here speaks for itself. The the meats shine without too much having to get in the way of them in terms of seasonings. I mean, you just you cook it well, you smoke it well, and it's sliced and served well. The sides are great. The, the, Very thoughtful. Yeah, meat. the green apple slaw, especially in this heat, it's. I mean, for for summer, it's a really refreshing dish. The 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 minute it starts getting above 85, 90 degrees, we sell a ton of that <laughs> slaw. I can imagine. Uh, you know, the slaw sales go way up, and which is great you know because it's a slow seller during the cold months uh, but we actually do a sandwich on the menu called the josh it's named after one of our regulars who's been a big supporter of us here in hutto his name josh haddon uh but it's got brisket our sausage sauce and that slaw on it. and man it's really really tasty so it's a good stack of meat well we'll let everyone know the address to get over here to Pusca family barbecue Address is 550 uh, FM 1660 South in Hutto. Uh, we're parked right beside a Texaco gas station. Uh, obviously, give us a follow on Facebook in case we do move soon. Um, we try to update everybody there. Uh, obviously, that's our biggest and one of our only ways of communication, uh, being a food trailer. So keep an, keep an eye out for that because we will be making a move soon. Just don't know how soon. And that's Pusca, P-U-S-T-K-A family barbecue yep and what days and times are you open we are monday through saturday 11 to 4 or until we sell out uh, most days we sell out by three some days 3 30 saturdays don't usually sell out as often because we cook way more food obviously but uh yeah come come check us out all right dustin great talking to you um good luck here i mean it's nice seeing you here at this trailer best of luck at your next endeavor and Hopefully we'll get to see you at the uh, brick and mortar at some point, but we'll be back before then. Oh, it's not hopefully. Y'all will. (laughs) Well, congratulations on the success and continued success, and we'll be out here again, and we recommend everyone get out here too. Thank you, guys. Don't forget that chicken.